This is Brian Lohman. On behalf of the Lohman Ray Insurance Group, welcome to this edition of High School Prep Football Confidential. Welcome back, everyone. Loman Ray Insurance Prep Football Confidential. Week two is in the books. Hard to believe. An emotional week two. Yeah, in a I'm, lot of different places. I'm Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media. About to hand it off to the man. Colin Likas runs the high school football show at the News Gazette. Evan Kahn, Tamara McDaniel also helping out tonight. As I said, a, a busy week, too, where he had high emotions in Muhammad. Good mm-hmm. pregame ceremony. High yep. emotions in Tuscola, yep. where rivalry was renewed. and high, uh, Unit 4 as well. Tommy Stewart Field was Saturday morning, mm-hmm. but there was a ribbon-cutting ceremony. A lot of good stuff. And we t- Give me your take, Colin. We'll start with that. Uh, I mean, it was, yeah, like you said, it was a, a week of high emotions, a week of just uh, – you know, very interesting matchups and interesting things happening that weren't all necessarily just tied to football. There were things beyond just the football going on on the field, which is something that's going to happen throughout any given season. And, uh, you know, uh, it, was, it was just a unique week more than anything. That's how I would uh, term it. All right, here we go. We got 60 minutes uh, devoted to the sport that we love, that being high school football. Follow along on Snapchat, yes, on Twitter, maybe Facebook Live. Yes. We get this thing going. We're, we're, we're a little slow on the Facebook Live front today. So we got we'll all work these, on it. We, we got all these high school helmets for naught here, including St. Thomas Moore's. We do have St. Thomas Moore's. Hey, it's a big, it's a big day here at the Loman Ray Insurance Prep Football Confidential, in that we have our first in studio guest. Yes, and he, he's our player of the week. <laughs> you almost said year, didn't you? <laughs> maybe that too. <laughs> it could be. Bryson Lee, uh, St. Thomas Moore quarterback slash do everything. I believe, Bryson, you, you punt even, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> so you do a little bit of everything. Uh, Bryson, as was uh, said here by Jim, is our player of the week. Uh, St. Thomas Moore defeated Olympia 38-32 to last week. Uh, you guys were up 27-16 at halftime, and then Olympia made a stand, made a comeback. Uh, where, how did you find it in you guys to, even though you weren't down by that many points, to mount another comeback after watching Olympia do that? Oh, well, uh, so we were down. Uh, we, like, we lost our confidence, and we, we needed something to motivate us back. Sure. And at, like, the start of the, like, the end of the third quarter, our player hurt his neck, and he was on the sideline. It was, like, we thought it was a season-ending, like, injury. Well, so I think it just boosted our confidence to fight for him and win for him. Wow. Who, what player was that? Who it was Trevor Hummel. Okay, okay. Is Trevor going to be okay? Have you heard? Yeah. Just soft tissue. He's out for, like, a week. Wow, okay. That's very lucky, then. Well, uh, you obviously don't want something like that to happen during a game, but it certainly helped you guys uh, as far as motivation goes. Yeah. Um, another thing I'm sure it's motivated you guys, you got two two receivers this year who weren't really part of the team last year. They really stepped up, Dominic McGreeny and Riley Morris. How have you been able to connect with them as quickly as you have? During the summer, um, I just begged them to play. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the turf every day, <clears throat> and we just kept working. And I just told him that this season is going to be special yeah. if you guys play. Yeah. Lengthy touchdown pass to Dominic was the eventual winning points in that game against Olympia. What did you see on that play, and how special was it to, to have that connection there? Um, honestly, I didn't really see anything because it was like a low snap, and then <laughs> all of a sudden there was like four defenders in my face. Oh, wow. So I got out of the pocket, and I, did, I saw Dom wide open down the field, and I just threw it and prayed. And it, and it connected. Yep. That's perfect. Perfect. 
Well, I mean, uh, you you don't you don't just throw. Obviously, I mean, you you had over 300 all-purpose yards last week. Accounted for, were involved with five different touchdowns. Um, how have you been able to develop yourself into such a dual-threat guy where you can succeed in vo- both of these uh, avenues? Well, as my freshman and sophomore year, I was a wide receiver for mm-hmm. St. Thomas More. Right. So, like, my vision is still like a wide receiver vision. <laughs> sure. So, like, when I'm in the pocket, I just see the field, and I can take off and run. Sure. That makes sense. Talking to Bryson Lee of uh, St. Thomas More. Now, here's what I want to know, Bryson. Are you <laughs> better than your brother who's, oh, who's boy. playing ball at Idaho where you're headed next year? Um, I don't think I am. I think I'm a better athlete, but I think he is a better football player. He's very humble. <laughs> what do you do to get to, to get better than to get on the same level as DJ then? What does it take for you? Keep working. Keep working. It's easy. <laughs> easy to say, harder to do, I guess. Yes. Uh, Illini Prairie Conference, I talked about it last week with uh, one of our interviews, Cully Welter. It's a challenging conference to play in because you just see the same teams over and over. Everybody gets to know everybody. What are some games you're really looking forward to that are left on the schedule? I'm looking forward to the our homecoming game against BCC and uh, Unity. We play them on their homecoming night at their place. Yeah, those yeah. will be very good games. Yeah. What about what 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 about those opponents? Really uh, piques your interest, I guess. Well, last year we didn't really do good against the teams. Sure. So this year we want to try to make a statement. And we just want to try to do better than we did last year. Sure. Hopefully win. Yeah. It seems like you guys are doing better than last year, really. I mean, uh, you, you guys had a close uh, game against St. Joseph Ogden until the later stages. Things kind of got away. You win this game against Olympia. Do things look on the upswing for, your guy, for you guys, in your opinion? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're looking really good. Uh, we're thinking about all the opponents we have left, and we think about what we have to win and what we can't lose. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Knowing what you're, what's ahead in your future, going to Idaho, I mean, do, do you look at yourself as kind of a, a guy on the field who other players might look up to and you try to, to, to help them out in that way? Yeah, I try to be the best leader that I can be uh, on the field and in practice and off the field in school. I just try to lead everyone. Yeah. What's it been like to, to play with uh, St. Thomas More? you still got plenty of time to go here, but leading this program the way you have the last two years, really, what, what has that meant to you? It's been great. Um being the kid that wasn't like as big my freshman and sophomore year and sure. actually developing and growing more my junior and senior year it just it just feels great yeah well you asked me about it i i this wasn't on my list of questions but i feel compelled to ask you since you mentioned it when we were coming in uh the news that illinois wide receiver mikey dudek's out for another year i mean uh, as something you see something like that i mean what do you, do you feel a kinship almost with a fellow football player when you see something like that happen yeah, um, my coach always tells me, uh, you don't know when your last football game was. You don't know when your last when your last play. Yep. So it, I just feel I feel bad for that because like I've been wanting to watch Mike Dudek since he was a freshman. Oh yeah, and like every year he's been getting hurt, and it's just it's been sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to end on the sad note there, <laughs> but Bryson Lee, St. Thomas More Football Athlete of the Week for Week Two. Thanks again for for dropping in, Bryson. Thank you guys. Absolutely. Bryson Lee was uh, got a helmet sticker, uh, the vi- the post game video. He did uh, on Friday nights. That's yeah, he did. quite a prestigious honor. Yeah. I would think go to newsgazette.com to check it out. Yes, we uh, our, our video this week was certainly a little interesting because the audio, kind of like Facebook Live this week, mm-hmm. the audio kind of uh, dumped out on us. But uh, we're gonna get all this technology figured out here pretty soon.
Anyway, we go. Uh, part of the show is that we get to unveil Collins' top ten. Yes, right. And yes. It, bad news for Bryson is that St. Thomas More is not yet not in, in there yet. No top ten, but still time. Nonetheless, Coach Watson had some good stuff to say. Yeah, Coach Nathan Watson. Yeah, I got to talk with him about uh, what Bryson has brought to the team, and also about the the two wide receivers who I mentioned before, Riley Morris and Dominic Magrini. Let's, let's see what he had to say. He very rarely left the field. He did kickoff return. He, he punted for us, obviously quarterback. He played safety, he played corner, and he led. You know, we have a lot of guys on the field quite a bit like that, but obviously, you know, Bryce really had a great game last night. Listen, Dom is just, he's just a great kid, and he's an incredible leader. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of captains over the years. The interesting thing about Dom is, like, we are always absolutely on the same page. Like, we, I feel like he finishes my sentence for him. So just a one year. You know, we bonded. He's become a captain for me. I'm glad he played. And the interesting story is, you know, last week, we had Riley Morris. We had a kid who didn't play last year. He's a leading receiver last week for St. Joseph. And then another kid who didn't play either. He's a leading receiver this week. So that's, that's a pretty good feeling. You know, we we're walking the halls trying to get some of these kids to play ball. Well, St. Thomas More, that was Nathan Watson uh, getting a getting a crucial victory in uh, in week two after they really looked good against St. Joe for a half, couldn't pull it out. So I think uh, I think Bryson and Nathan are both correct and that the Sabers are trending in the right direction after a really rough uh, 2017 season. I got a team trending in the right direction. Okay, let's hear All it. Right, the the Central Maroons, of course, right coming true. off a, a, a big week two win over Centennial. Well, uh, in that vein, uh, we have Champaign Central coach Tim Turner on the phone. Tim, thanks so much for uh, joining us here tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. And uh, like Jim said, coming off a, not only uh, first win of the season, the first win of your head coaching career with the Maroons, I mean, how important to you was it to not only get that win but also get it against uh, rival Centennial on Saturday? Well, you know, it's, it's always important to get that first one, and, I, and, and having it be that team, um, it, it was a little bit sweeter just because it's, it's kind of that, uh, you know, you're playing with these guys that you've known for quite a while. Like I said, a lot of my kids knew those guys, and so just to get out there and, and have some success against that team really, really was the icing on the cake for that first win. And, I mean, uh, it, it wasn't all roses exactly. I mean, the, the first two minutes of the game, you find yourself down 7 nothing uh, after a good kickoff return to open the game and the Chargers just marched it down the field. I mean, uh, what did it say to you that not only did you guys respond once, they responded to the tune of 48 consecutive points? Yeah, I've got a resilient group. Um, as I said, you know, they've worked their tails off this whole off season, And, you know, their, our mantra was, you know, any team, any time, any place. And so, you know, just having to get started a little bit earlier, it just took a little bit for us to get our get our juices flowing. And But once we got them flowing, I think kids responded really well and, and you know, kind of took it to them. Well, uh, good news. Uh, your kids are picking up that mantra. I talked with uh, Terrell Evans after that game. He had a huge game uh, both on the ground and on defense. And he actually said what you just told me, uh, Tim, uh, the, any team, any time, any place. I mean, that's got to feel good to know that your kids are actively picking up that mantra. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing that I love about this group is all season long, they, they've really just kind of done anything we've asked and, and they picked up on just about everything we've asked them to do. And, you know, this, this group, for it to be my first season and, and for this group to respond the way that they're responding, it's, it's really been exciting for me. And I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how the rest of this season progresses. Well, uh, let's talk about another one of your players, Luke McMahon, a starting quarterback. 
Uh, even in that loss against Metamora in week one, he had his good moments, as you and I talked about. And in week two, he was even better with two rushing touchdowns and a pretty firm command of the offense. I mean, how, how pleased have you been with what you've seen from Luke? I'll tell you what, uh, Luke's a solid kid. He, he works his tail off. Um, he's actually have more control over that offense than it would appear. Um, for, for me, this is my first year as a head coach, but it's also my first year as an offensive coordinator calling, calling the offense. Um, so, you know, having Luke to, to run this offense for me has been a blessing because there's been times where, you know, I, I've, I've said something that maybe wasn't exactly what needed to be said. And Luke can say, hey, coach, no, 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 I, I think we're supposed to be doing it that way. And, and it's really been a blessing to, to just have him out there. He's so in command of everything. The guys really respond to him and he's unflappable. Um, you know, Luke's a kid that he rushes the ball. We, I make sure he rushes the ball seven, eight times a game. And, you know, he takes some hits and he gets right up. He dusts himself off and he's ready for the next play. So to have that as, as a leader, it, it really is something that, you know, I, I'm finding myself being blessed about for this season. And, and, you know, Luke is a kid that not only is great on the football field, but he's, he's just a great person. So, you know, having that as, as our leader, it, it really is, is something that I'm excited about. Now, you, you mentioned something interesting here. Uh, adjusting to calling the offense, not something you were doing before as an assistant with the Maroons. Talk about, for those of us you know aren't as familiar with, the, with coaching and all that goes into it, talk about what kind of adjustment that's been. Well, it's been a, it's been a tremendous adjustment. I, for most of my career, I've been on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so that all that helped, you know, that helps helps me to um, be able to read some coverages. It helps me to be able to read some fronts and to be able to know what defenses are, try, are trying to do. But I definitely um, had to get back acclimated to calling the games. Um, the last time I called any uh, offense was on the youth football level, <laughs> and uh, you know, and and youth football is quite a bit different than, than high school Certainly. football. Um, but it, it, the the adjustment to learning to run this offense and to call this offense again it, it's an easy adjustment because of the guys that i have luke being being a, a two-year starter he's got great command of this of the offense um connor milton's been in this offense for two years three years now he's been a, a starter for the past two years and i got terrell evans that's that's been a starter got a couple of guys that are that's on my line that have played um in in previous regimes so having those guys out there really helps me to you know to adjust to being an offensive play caller just simply because they're able to make adjustments even if i mess it up so it's been it's been a real good thing i'm really enjoying it um i can see how people get out and and love to call these plays i mean it's 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 a blast to do. You know, you're out there on a Friday night and or a Saturday morning, whatever it may be, um, and and you get a chance to see some of these athletes really really get the ball in their hands and and have some success based on a play that you've called. It, it's exciting, man. I I, I didn't I got to be real with you. I wasn't sure um, when when I first took over. I was I didn't think um, I'd enjoy it as much as I as I do. I, I knew I'd enjoy it but I didn't think I'd be giddy about calling these <laughs> plays, you know, but you know, when I, I've, again, I've got some pretty talented guys. I've got a backfield of five or six kids that I could put the ball in their hand at any moment and they're subject to, to, to take it to the house. So having that kind of talent in the backfield and to be able to spread the ball around a little bit, it makes my job as a play caller tremendously easy. Um, not to mention, I've got a great coaching staff around me, um, three or four guys that have, had some offensive coordinator experience in their past. Got a couple of guys who um, who have done it as recently as last year that are really in my ear, kind of helping me out to to get these plays called and to and to do the things to put our offense in position to have some success. 
Tim Turner, you can tell he's very, very passionate about his job, and that's always amazing to see, especially for the kids of, uh, of nearby Champaign Central. Uh, going to Peoria Notre Dame next, or this week, I should say. Tim, thanks yes, so sir. much for taking the time to stop by with us. Thanks for having me, guys, and go Maroons. Great scene on a Saturday morning. I know it was 8 a.m., right? Yes. Not many uh, games, rivalry games, all the, the many years I've been here, it was one of the strangest. Certainly, and uh, for for reasons, for somber, sad, tragic mm-hmm. reasons because of the shooting death of a sh- Central student earlier in the week. Uh, but I think both teams really responded to that adversity thrown at them, that uh, little bit of adversity with the time change, and uh, the Maroons came out on top of the rivalry this time. Tell you what, we're going to get into our top ten, see what Collins changed, see what he hasn't uh, after our first break. We'll be back with the Loman Ray Insurance Prep Football Confidential. Now back to the Loman Ray High School Prep Football Confidential on News Talk 1400 WDWS and White Rock 97.5 WHMS. Part of that powerful three-hour window of program every Monday night. Sports Talk fellas were in studio beforehand here in beautiful downtown Champaign. The Levy Smith Show on at 7. He's got to deal with the Mikey Dudek news. Kind of set people back a little today. Yeah, that's certainly a jarring uh, revelation and not something you want to hear about this early in the season or at any point in the season, really. Yeah. And then if you're an early bird, the Monday morning quarterbacks are back, 9 a.m. on Mondays. Always so, a good time. So if you looked at your News Gazette today, we promoted three hours of power. We forgot the Monday morning guys, so that's five hours of football talk every that's, Monday. That's a lot of football. It's going to fill you up. This one's devoted to high school football. That's right. Of course, Colin was in Champaign on Saturday, and you were in Tuscola on Friday. Yes, yes, I was. Where are you headed uh, this week, Colin? This week, uh, I have got Danville taking on Normal West. Uh, Tough, tough matchup for the Vikings, and we'll be talking a little bit about about them here in this uh, this segment. Uh, It should be a a fun game, though. The Big 12 is one of the Mm -hmm. more competitive conferences we've got, full of big school programs, and uh, it'll be curious to see what the Vikings can do. All right, leading up to showtime, uh, Colin was busy scribbling his top ten, which he updates every week. You'll read about it in the News Gazette tomorrow morning, but we'd like to unveil it here on on the radio show. Yeah, for those of you who are... uh, dedicated enough and interested enough in our top 10 to follow along and i know there are plenty of people who are uh glad to give you a sneak peek here at what's to come uh number 10 this week uh there there were some changes in my top 10 no new teams but just some shifting of rankings uh because every team in my top 10 won this week or this this most previous week so uh i could only really do some tweaking uh it's kind of hard to drop a team from the top 10 if they win a game so number 10, no change this week, Salt Fork Storm. Uh, they moved to 2-0, and did Brian Plotner's group after defeating Watsika 16-8. to uh, That's a really tough matchup, Vermilion Valley against Sangamon Valley, uh, and Salt Fork handled it with a plum. Uh, they held the Warriors scoreless until there were less than three minutes to play in regulation, so that's usually a good uh, key for success. Uh, Coda Broker led the defensive effort there with five tackles in the game. Uh, Gage Romack and Tate Johnson both ran for touchdowns in the win. And uh, an interesting story, Dawson Rogers uh, kicked a 34-yard field goal in addition to one successful PAT in this game. I'll be having a feature coming up on him soon. 
Uh, he he is a very unique athlete. A lot of kids will play three sports in a season. Dawson Rogers is playing three sports in the fall, mm. uh, which you do not see a lot. Um, this kid has got to be tired, and yet he still shows up in our box scores on a regular basis. Uh, so we'll have a story about Dawson here soon. But to cap off Salt Fork, they'll be at Georgetown Ridge Farm this week for a, a solid Vermilion Valley Conference matchup with the Buffaloes. Second week in a row, Storm staying at number 10. Yes, they uh, they could be on the rise here. They've got some games coming up that could really boost their stock against VVC teams. And uh, it'll be inter- interesting to see if they can follow through on that. One of the surprises of Friday night kind of caught my eye was Danville almost losing to Urbana. Don Owen, the superintendent, uh, <laughs> tweeted at halftime, we're ahead, <laughs> with an exclamation yeah, point. Yeah, Hervana has had its troubles in recent years, and Danville coming off back-to-back eight and three seasons and a close loss to Bloomington to open this season. Uh, it was 21-20, but Danville did pull it out. They turned the ball over six times in that game, which would explain a lot of why the score was so close, I think. Uh, but uh, credit to the Vikings. They fell behind 13-0 and then at 20-6 to at one point and came back to win anyway. Uh, Devin Miles is a breakout star. I believe he's just a sophomore. Uh, he had a 44-yard touchdown run in the third quarter to provide the go-ahead points and rushed for tw- 122 yards total. Uh, you'll remember him in week one against Bloomington having a key kickoff return in the third to open the third quarter for a touchdown. So just a sophomore, this kid is really making an impact for Marcus Forrest Vikings here, who are, uh, as I said, hosting Normal West this week in a challenging matchup. Uh, I mentioned Marcus Forrest. Uh, I had a little chat with him earlier today uh, talking about the importance of this victory for the Danville season. It shows just how talented we have an opportunity to be because we were able to fight through a lot of those turnovers and the fact that they actually fought through them because there come times where, you know, we get one or two turnovers and that could be the game. But they fought through, you know, those five fumbles and interception and still came out and put ourselves in an opportunity, giving ourselves an opportunity to still uh, try to win the game and ultimately pull out a win. That was encouraging. Now, it gives us the idea that, you know, we can minimize a lot of these turnovers, these small mistakes. We keep them under control. We got a chance. And that's kind of where we're looking at it right now. Just we always have a chance. And that's the biggest thing we want these kids to know. So what you always, uh, you know, always put yourself in a position to do well, always put yourself in a position where you can just compete and make plays, and that's kind of where we are right now. That was uh, Marcus Forrest, Danville football coach, second year running the program after B.J. Luke stepped aside uh, following a lengthy tenure, and uh, Marcus, a key first win of uh, the of his second season. Big weekend in Muhammad, as we said, Jason Seaman Street now in effect at the uh, <laughs> corner of Walnut and Oak. A great pregame ceremony. You can go to newsgazette.com to check out our video story, uh, Jason, of course, the Noblesville hero back in town uh, for his first game. It was really good to see. He had great things to tell our Anthony Zillis yes. uh, leading up to it, and the Bulldogs didn't disappoint. No, they did not. Uh, yeah, and Jason Seaman, I mean, uh, we, we've talked about it before, and I believe it's mentioned in the story that's online, uh, the written story, I should say. He's not big on all this attention, but I'm guessing out of all things that this honor from his uh, from his alma mater probably was one he was had no problem getting up for and really taking the spotlight for for a few minutes 
Uh, but that does lead right into the next part of our top 10. Uh, I forgot to mention Danville was down two spots this week in the top 10. They went from number seven to the number nine, even though they did win. You know, uh, it's, it's a bit of a tenuous uh, situation because the Vikings have had some trouble in their first two games. Uh, but up one spot this week is number eight, Muhammad Seymour. Excuse me. The Bulldogs uh, bounced back after opening the season against uh, number one ranked Washington by defeating Charleston handily, uh, 49 to 20. A big help for the Bulldogs. They outscored Charleston 27 to six in the second half. So uh, if there was any doubt about the game at halftime, that dissipated pretty quickly. Uh, Jordan Veldman, uh, you might, uh, if you're a basketball fan over in Muhammad, you'll definitely recognize him from that. But he's uh, making an impact on the football field. Uh, two of the Bulldogs' six rushing touchdowns came from the feet of Jordan Veldman uh, as he ran for 139 yards, and he had an 83-yard kickoff return to open the game, which was a great way to set the tone for any sort of result. Little known fact number one this week, his dad, Dirk Veldman, was a standout softball player really? in the Park District scene. Interesting. And his son also plays baseball, too. Yeah, that's Kyle. true. That's uh, that's an interesting fact. Those those kids over at Muhammad, they're good at anything. It's, uh, it's one of those places where you, you put a kid – in athletics, doesn't really matter what he's doing, and uh, he's, he's probably going to be good at it. So that's uh, it's an interesting little factoid there. Uh, just to kind of round off on uh, Muhammad here from last week, uh, Dallas Carnell, nine tackles, including one for loss, to lead the Bulldogs' defense uh, against Charleston. Uh, the Bulldogs are going to head to Mascuta this week to take on the 1-1 one one Indians. Uh this is uh, going to be the Bulldogs' uh, last non-conference game until Week Nine, so uh, that's a that's a critical point for the Bulldogs to really gain some ground uh, as they uh, head into the Apollo Conference season more more readily. Um, so great! You, you look at the video uh, that Anthony, the great crowd. Yeah. It's yeah. a, you know that's that's what you still like to see. Yeah, it. the Muhammad crowd. I mean, it's a it's a it's a staple really, and it's not just football games. I mean, certainly football draws well uh, in in Muhammad and in a lot of our, our local cities. But yeah, I think people were people were certainly out there for the game, but a lot of people were out there to let Jason Seaman know that they really appreciated uh appreciate what what he did earlier this year, and just let him know that he's a respected alumni of their area former news gazette athlete of the year yeah that's true at the end of each school year we anoint a a boy and a girl who's who's done well in all sorts of sports and so jason was not only a good football player but he was good at a lot of things yeah and uh, he's always happy uh to come back uh, to his hometown well uh sticking with the muhammad seymour theme uh, we have got a live call-in from uh, Muhammad Seymour, longtime Muhammad Seymour football coach Keith Pogi. Keith, uh, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, and I just realized I said your name wrong, Keith Pogue. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work on my pronunciation for my coaches. If anybody's ever gonna call us back on this show. <laughs> no worries, no problem. Well, uh, you guys, as uh, we just got done talking about, coming off a uh, pretty pretty strong victory against Charleston. Uh, after the offensive struggles in week one, it had to be nice to see the boys put up almost 50 points this week. Yeah, it was. We, we, we have a, uh, some explosive kids, and, and we knew that. You know, uh, a caliber of opponent we faced in week one in Washington uh, and their physicality uh, got to us. But we still did some good things offensively against Washington. It just didn't show up in the uh, scoreboard. 
So uh, we built on that and uh, took advantage of it Friday night. Certainly. And, I mean, uh, Jordan Veldman, we talked about him as well. Uh, two of your six rushing touchdowns on the night and also that uh, that explosive kickoff return for a touchdown to start the game. I mean, is this maybe not necessarily the opening kickoff return for a touchdown, but this overall performance, is it something we can see from him on a weekly basis, do you think? Yeah, you know, and the nice thing for, for Jordy is he's got a couple guys with him in, uh, in uh, senior Dylan Gates and, and uh, sophomore. Uh, Clay Hubble that are also really explosive. So uh, part of what makes him go and part of what helps him is he's got two other running backs that you can't just pay attention to uh, Jordan or, you, or you're going to have problems. And uh, a couple times uh, when he had big runs, they were on uh, counters because uh, Dylan Gates uh, was was uh, potentially the ball carrier. And so that, that all works together. It's a nice uh, mix for those guys, and, and uh, Jordy's a great player. But all three of them are fun, exciting runners who have good vision, good hips, and uh, and can move very well. Now, I know when we talked uh, earlier this season, the preseason, I should say, you told me your numbers were a little bit down from what you're normally expecting. I mean, how have you gotten your guys to kind of adapt to that situation and make it so that you can still show well in the Apollo Conference and put up results like this? Well, you know, I, I complain about my numbers, and then I hear everybody else say, "Well, we'd like your, we'd like to have your numbers." <laughs> but uh, it, it's still a struggle for us. It's still something that we're working through. I mean, even Friday night, we had some guys play out with cramps, and and we had to have some kids, younger kids, step up and, and and do some things. So we've brought more sophomores up than usual. It's one thing we've done. Um, for us, this is a particularly small senior class that's very talented, but there's not a lot of them. And so a lot of them are playing both ways. And, and uh, when they uh, need gas uh, and need to get off the field, a lot of times we're, we're asking a sophomore or a junior who has no experience to step up. I think it's going to help us long term. Um, it, it does mean that with our tough first uh, part of our schedule, uh, that presents some challenges for sure. Well, uh, talking about playing both ways, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the defense as well, holding uh, Charleston to 20 points in the win. Uh, Dallas Carnell uh, showed out with nine tackles, one for loss in that victory. Is he kind of the guy you're looking to to lead this defense, or is it really a uh, a work-by-committee type of thing? Well, Dallas is a guy who, who was not slated to start. Really? Um, played really well Monday night in JV. Um had some issues with another player and got put in the starting position and took advantage of the situation. So he showed us some stuff on, on Friday night. So uh, it's exciting to have a kid step up like that and, and have a great night. And I agree with you. He had a great night. Um, so it just gives us another linebacker that we weren't sure about but was put in there because of uh, other circumstances and just had a great night. And just to round off our discussion here, uh, Jason Seaman, we were mentoring, mentioning right before we brought you on the air, uh, honored for his actions earlier in the year to uh, stop a school shooting in, in progress. Uh, what did it mean to, to you as a, Muhammad, a longtime Muhammad guy, as coach of this football team, to see Jason recognized for that, for what he did? Well, you know, when, when it went happened, I, and they said Jason Seaman's name, it's the kind of thing where, I wasn't surprised. Um, when, when I coached Jason here, he was just an outstanding young man and, and gave of himself and cared about his teammates. 
and even though he was a superstar, and he was a superstar, uh, he 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 never was vain. He always was uh, grounded. Uh, just a, just a great young man, and uh, he came and talked to our team right before uh, kickoff, and uh, I think our guys got a real understanding of uh, of what. Bulldog athletics is, and being a bulldog is all about because he's just a great role model for him. Very good. Well, uh, Coach Keith Pogue, Muhammad Seymour football. Thanks again so much for joining us tonight, Keith. And uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing the Bulldogs uh, moving forward here in the Apollo Conference. Perfect. Thank you very much. Coach Pogue, I, I like seeing those. Uh, guys stick around their schools for long. He's climbing oh, yeah. that seniority list. Yeah. You know, we talk about Scott oh, yeah. Hamilton being there forever. Guy, good love Keith Pogue. Mm-hmm. There's not yeah. a there's not a lot of them left. No, Colin. there's not. I mean, we've we've got some we got some real good ones and some real tenured ones out here, and uh, they're fun guys to talk to because they know their stuff, they know their history, and they can still lead their team to really strong seasons. Even better, uh, Champaign County kind of uh, rebounded this week. Uh, got up to, I think, six county teams won after yeah. maybe a shaky yeah, nice. week one. I feel better about myself now. Nice. nice. <laughs> you feel that's good. Having I'm sure living, they feel better living, about themselves, living too. Living in Champaign. Where these teams uh, wind up in Collins' top ten, we'll uh, tell you what. We'll resume the countdown after this break. Ray High School Prep Football See Brian Lomans ad, uh, Dan Tappendorf's MET ad in Thursday's News Gazette right next to the controversial high school picks. Controversial on a weekly basis. Uh, it's probably worth noting that uh, uh, poor, poor Mike Colgan. Uh, got a little mm-hmm. got, got a little razzing uh, on Twitter after he, he one got, of his picks. He got hate mail. That's what happens when you pick. It's, That's right. And uh, Colin Likas went ten and zero last week. That's true. I did. Uh, I will shower praise on you right now. I appreciate that. Uh, so did uh, copy editor Joe Vazelli. So we're uh, yeah. That's what. I guess that's what happens when you don't put the Lions in your in your NFL top ten. That's uh, every Thursday. Uh, we pick ten games, and uh, it gets the fans riled up. Oh, certainly. When you go against the team that you root for. Yeah, and if you if you don't think uh, if you think we're joking, you don't think people read that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll point you to some times where I pick postseason games, especially during last basketball season. I had fans come up to me afterwards and tell me what was up after their team ended up proving me wrong. And it's all it's all fun and games, and it's all good that people are reading our stuff. So thank mm-hmm. you, thank you for the uh, the viewership and the readership. Hey, let's get going on this uh, top ten again. No new teams. Let's just break it. No there. new teams, but, uh, just some movement. You got some juggling. Go ahead. We're up to seven. I think. Yep, we're up on. to seven, uh, and we have a team up two spots this week in the Fisher Bunnies. Uh, had a couple members of their team on last week, and uh, one of those was our Athlete of the Week for last week, Tyler Wilson. Uh, it seems like we might be able to have him on on a weekly basis because this kid's going to be a workhorse for the Bunnies. Uh, they beat Tremont 26-21 uh, last week, and Wilson carried the ball 35 times for 146 yards and two touchdowns. That is a that is a workload for a high school kid. I don't care if you're the biggest, strongest, meanest kid on the team. That's a lot of running the ball and a lot of getting hit. So uh, props to Tyler Wilson for hanging in there, taking the carries, and helping his team to a big victory against the Tremont Turks. Uh, His one-yard touchdown run with less than six minutes left uh, created the winning points. Uh, But pretty serious test for the Bunnies this week, and uh, I think they are right now the class of the heart of Illinois South 
South, the heart of Illinois, small conference. I was thinking of the LOVC. Um, but they have a Tri-Valley this week, does Fisher. Tri-Valley, a team that's receiving AP ranking interest. So good test for the Bunnies early on. Uh, moving uh, moving right along with our top ten, we'll, we'll go to number six, Bismarck, Henning, Rossville, Alvin. Uh, that team, no movement in the rankings this week. Uh, the Blue Devils defeated Moments 56-14. What I really liked about what Mark Dodd's team did, uh, they went to Moments uh, on Friday night, and it the lightning kicked up, and they couldn't play. So they came back to Bismarck, and then they went back up there the next day, and then they won 56-14. When you get a break in the action like that, you play on a Saturday like you're not expecting, and you put up 56 points, your team's doing something right. Uh, and I think it helps that they have three guys who can run the ball just crazy, crazy hard. At least two guys, uh, probably probably more than three guys, honestly. Caleb Leahy, 171 rushing yards, three touchdowns. Jacob Aikens, 146 rushing yards and one touchdown. Uh, big performances there. Uh, the Blue Devils try to keep it up this week when they visit Hoopston Area, Schlarman Academy, Armstrong, Potomac for a Vermilion Valley game. Checking in at number five, St. Joe. Now, Dwight Colvin could have been our player of the week. Uh-huh. What's up with that, For the Colin? second straight week, he could have. And you know what? He might well be if he keeps this up. And it's weird that I had to drop St. Joe a spot as well, or at least I felt I had to. But that was nothing that St. Joe did so much as the team that's at number four now was just kind of hard to keep out of the top four. But anyway, with St. Joe, uh, the Spartans defeated Rantoul 21-6 to to move to 2-0. and uh, as Jim mentioned, Dwight Colvin, uh, a machine on the ground, 162 rushing yards and all, uh, well, not all 21 points. He didn't kick the PATs, I'll assume, but all three touchdowns for the Spartans in that uh, Illini Prairie Conference game. Uh, St. Joe defense shouldn't be overlooked, though. 15 points allowed between its first two games. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, Sean Skinner's group is going to Bloomington Central Catholic this week. The Saints probably a little upset at starting the year in AP voting and now going 0-2. So uh, St. Joe is going to have a test on its hands this week. That's for sure. All right, Colin, I need some teams that are knocking out the door. All right? Certainly. I I can, some not ranked yet, but yeah, getting close. I can, I can help you with that. Uh, I think we'll talk about one little later on before we get into our top four. But uh, a couple of others I'm thinking about. Uh, we, should, we should still pay attention to Arcola, even though they lost to Tuscola this week. Uh, that's still a quality team. Uh, uh, another team that, uh, you know, is going to be getting interest if they uh, keep up like they did this last week is Villa Grove Heritage. Uh, Heath Wilson's first ever Blue Devils team defeated Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond 40-13. to uh, I got Heath on to talk to me about the importance of this win, especially after that week one loss to the aforementioned Tuscola Warriors. You know, it still gives me chills just uh, knowing that it was our first win, hopefully many more. Uh, to come and uh, kids got a lot of confidence after I think Friday night. Coming off that, uh, you know, it was a tough game in Week One against Tuscola. I mean, how did you get the kids, especially uh, going on the road? How did you get the kids back up for this uh, Week Two event against the Knights? Well, we have a lot of talent, and I think the kids know that Tuscola is uh, definitely uh, one of the top programs in the state of uh, you know in Illinois. They're they're loaded with uh, talent and size, and um, these kids I think were just hungry. But you know they. We went scoreless uh, in the varsity game against them, and then they kind of shut us down in the JV game too. So uh, for the first whole week we didn't have, we couldn't get in the end zone. So uh, uh, the kids were hungry uh, going into Friday night for sure. That was Heath Wilson, who no doubt was hungry to get his first head coaching win. Uh, interesting fact about that team, uh, former St. Thomas Moore head coach Dan Hennessy, an assistant on that staff. I don't know if that's something a lot of people knew, uh, but uh, – 
Dan did a great job with the Sabres, and now he's trying to help another area team you get do that, a great job. You get that Villa Grove program back on its feet. That's also a great atmosphere oh, on yeah. Friday nights uh, and, down in Douglas County. Yeah, and you know, those Villa, Villa Grove Heritage Co-op uh, it wasn't down too bad these last few years. Just a lot of coaching changes. This is their third coach in four years, I think. So there's just a lot of overhaul, even though the team really has not performed that poorly in recent seasons. Just one of those things that happens sometimes in high school sports. People people move on. But uh, moving on with our teams that are right outside the top ten. Uh, after the week one showings, uh, this team might not have gotten too much love, but a Im- really impressive week two performance as me thinking about Sarah Gordon Bement this week. Uh, if you beat a team that was one win from a state final game uh you deserve some mention uh the broncos they didn't just beat shelbyville they whomped on them 45 to 22 uh for sarah gordon but men's first win of the season uh one of the stars of that game was running back john connor who plowed his way to 121 yards and two touchdowns for the broncos uh, I spoke with second-year sarah gordon but coach nick walker about what impact john connor has on this broncos team he brings a completely different dynamic. John is, is actually he, he rushed for 105 against Warrensburg too, so he's had two 100-yard games. But John is uh, in tight spaces. John can put his head down and he can get yards. He's hard to bring down, but if you get him around the edge, he is just he's fast. We he he's crazy fast. I mean, once he gets around the end, it's like well he's gone. So he's very very quick kid. Building an offense around John. You're, you can. I mean, John is an eye-back that if you need to run an ISO or a power, he's going to get you whatever yards you can. But if you need to run it outside, that's that's the uh, – you, you can do that with him too. So he's just a good back that can get out around the outside and up and, up and can go up the middle. That was uh, Nick Walker, uh, fun – Fun fact part two. I just like dropping fun facts, I guess. Uh, I went out to Sarah Gordo as part of our alumni uh, feature series for our special section. Uh, I saw a man uh, working on the field, Sarah Gordo immense field, uh, with, a, with a little, uh, not a backhoe, a little, not a bulldozer either, just a very small construction machine. Just saw him working, and uh, my, my alumnus from Sarah Gordo says, oh, that's Nick Walker, that's our head coach, doing, doing all his yeah. own work on the field. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty cool thing to see. Like it, we're not the only ones doing top ten rankings. Of course, the state rankings uh, come from the AP. Colin is a voting member of that correct. group. They come out normally on Tuesdays, this being a holiday week. It will come out Wednesdays. You put much uh, credence into this rankings that you see every week oh well, certainly yeah it's a it's a major thing and i mean week the preseason rankings are certainly ones that you take with a grain of salt because you're going off of last season and high school teams change even more rapidly than college or nfl teams do uh but by the time you're at week two week three week four you usually have things pretty well lined up uh, and we, we've got uh, a few area teams that are really making their mark in the AP Top 10s, all eight of the polls, and hopefully we'll get more throughout the season. All right, I like ours better. Is that I right? like ours better, okay. too. good. We're going to finish our Top 10. Uh, let's take our final break. We'll be back in a jiffy. Now back to the Loman Ray High School Prep Football Confidential on News Talk 1400 WDWS and Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. Jim Rosso, Colin Likas, Tamara McDaniel, Evan Kahn leading you up to the Levy Smith Show here on HMS and WDWS. That will certainly be an interesting show today, but we've... 
we've got plenty of interesting stuff to talk about in the high school football realm as well. So thanks thanks for joining us on this uh, Labor Day Monday. Well, we're up to number four in Colin Likes' top ten, which we unveil every Monday night. Yep, we sure are. And this is my last uh, movement team of the week. Uh, number four, Arjena Oriana up one spot. And this, like I said before the break, wasn't so much about St. Joe doing anything wrong. It was just because Arjena looks that good. Uh, the Bombers improved to 2-0 by defeating Meridian 46-14. Uh, it was their first game on their new turf field. Uh, Josh Williams, 11-19 for 157 and three touchdowns passing. And uh, both Skyler Peterson and Makai Stanley each rushed for at least 100 yards in the win. Uh, our Jenna Oriana heading on to a road game at Oakwood. The Comets, uh, tough luck losers each of the first two weeks. So that could be a fun uh, under-the-radar game to, to watch out for. All right, Monticello just scored again. I believe that. While you were talking, Colin. I believe that. And <laughs> The funny part about this, uh, Monticello, our number three team, of course, that's why Jim says this, Cully Welter, after the game, uh, a 52-7 win over Chillicothe IVC last week, he expressed disappointment that Monticello is scoring so quickly because they really can't learn anything about their team this way. They're just kind of running over people. Uh, they've scored 51 points in week one and 52 points in week two. What do you learn from that? Your team's really good and can score. Uh, so that's, uh, I mean, that's what Monticello is doing right now. They just have a potent offense, and the defense just goes out there and gets the job done as well. Uh, Braden Snyder, who is certainly a player of the year contender for us, uh, four, his first four passes of the game, each one went to the hands of a receiver who went into the end zone. That's a very high rate of red zone success, or outside the red zone success even. Uh, Brandon Burton and Alec Bundy each had an interception in the first two minutes of the game for Monticello as well, so it really isn't just the offense, even though they've scored more than 100 points through two games. Uh, Monticello, well-rounded unit. Good test this week going to St. Thomas Moore with uh, Bryson Lee, who we uh, spoke with uh, at the top of the hour. Yeah, you got number two, a, a Tuscola team. I'd like to say how cool that atmosphere was Friday night. Oh, if yeah. You, if you looked at our photo gallery from Stephen Haas online, just a, a great, great scene. And then your video highlights showed the same thing, Colin. I've, no, I've also never seen an American flag that big, except on like an NFL field. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they find that in Tuscola and how they store it, but man, that was a big flag. But uh, yeah, the Warriors 2-0 after winning the revival of the Cola Wars, defeating Arcola 34-0. Could have been even bigger for Tuscola. They were stopped three times inside the Arcola 10, so they really could have uh, rolled this one up to a running clock. Uh, not quite able to do so. Some work to do for Tuscola, which is funny to say when you have two shutouts through two weeks and have scored 91 points. That's just how good this Tuscola program is right now. Uh, all of the Warriors' touchdowns came on big plays. Matthew Cantu, 49-yard run. Luke Sluter, 29-yard run. Uh, Brandon Douglas, a 38-yard reception from Sluter. And then Gage Russell, a 55-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown. Tuscola starts Central Illinois Conference play this week with Central A&M, a game that Andy Romine called our biggest trap game of the year. That's that's some big words right They haven't allowed a point yet, Colin. They haven't allowed a point, and yet they could do better. That's a concerning thing for anyone who still has to play Tuscola. <laughs> One of the pictures uh, that we took were the players taking these uh, Tuscola flags off yes. the field afterward. What's that? Is that punishment? Do they have <laughs> Definitely not because a lot of the kids who were taking them off the field were guys who were at the top of the stat sheet. Uh, I think it's just the guys who are kind of uh, more captaincy seniors type guys, guys who are you know they're leaders of the team. And this team is a well-bonded, well-rounded group. They're my number one team for traditions. All right, they touch That's the fair. rock like it's like they it's do. Clemson. They're they racing do. in there. 
they invite the the old codgers to come uh, walk the flags out they before do. the game. I'm all about that. Yeah, it's a it's a great atmosphere, great uh, community, great community at Tuscola. That's all you can ask for. Well, why don't you make football. them number one then, Colin? Uh, because. <laughs> Put me under a lot of pressure. The people of Tuscola are going to stop tuning in if you do that. Uh, number one, Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. The reason why Tuscola can't be number one in my rankings is because GCMS is a reigning state champion and they have yet to lose. Uh, they won their first HOIC large game by defeating Eureka, pride of uh, Ben Zoberst, 41-12. to Pride of Scott Ritchie also be remiss if I didn't say that. Uh, but yeah, forty-one twelve over Eureka. Um, I'm guessing Mike Allen and the Falcons are probably disappointed with that outcome because the 12 points they allowed was the third most they've allowed in a regular season game in the last two years. Uh, there are teams that would would uh, pay money to allow 12 points in a game, and Gibson City just a lot. I mean, they just their defense is stout. Their offense does it all. Uh, they face Hayworth next week, a uh, revival of an old HOIC small school matchup. But for right now, GCMS has to be my number one team because they're just rolling along and they look like the team to beat in this area. All right, all Monticello and Tuscola fans, can I'm, I'll give out Colin's cell phone later. My email address is in, all over the website. The I mean, it's real easy to find me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I may not agree with you, but you're the boss in this. At, le- at least wait until like two or three days from now. I'm a little under the weather, and my weakened body won't be able to fight back from the hordes of angry fans. So, All right. Look for our storylines leading up to the big week three. You know, after week three, we start talking playoffs. We do. In all reality. Yeah, because you, at that point, yeah, you're either you're either on the road to being in, on the road to being out, or you're Mm-hmm. really that's that's the only two options the bubble teams i mean those don't play out until the very end so you you really start to find out after week three who's for real and who's wait till next year well it may not be wait till next year but i'm excited for some of these teams that are just off the bubble like, absolutely i'm excited about urbana when's the last time i could say that uh probably the, probably a little while but right. i'm excited about urbana too i'm excited about all our teams looking forward to keeping this going all right we'll follow along with colin Lycus all week long Uh, on twitter he's a beast on snapchat he does it too next week we'll get facebook live back (laughs) all right yeah i I think that sounds good for for those who missed my smiling face all right colin friday night again you'll be uh i will be normal west danville all right we'll see you then this has been the loman ray insurance prep football confidential we'll be back here next week to review week three here on news talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana and Light Rock 97.5 WHMS Champaign-Urbana. Stay tuned. The Coach's Show is next.